Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. What is up, Super Nintendos? It's me, Seth Macy, your temporary host, back with episode 559. Of NVC today, I am joined by Matt Kim. Hello, Herr Schneider. Welcome, and industry legend, someone whose career I've been following for like a decade and a half, Cat Bailey. Thank you so much. It's me, Cat Bailey. Thanks for having me on the show. I mean, we kind of had to because there's a lot of news, and so mm. we have like half the news team 
right here to talk about the Nintendo news. There's fiscal news. There's a new programming game that was just announced last night. And now Epic, the Epic versus Apple lawsuit spilling all of the industry beans, which is very exciting. Uh, all the hot goss you can get from the industry just keeps coming out. It's, a, it's an amazing time to be in news. But we'll get right into it. First topic of discussion. Nintendo has had its most profitable year ever. 132 <laughs> years of Nintendo, or however many it is, what, 134, something like that. This was the best year for them. The fiscal and uh, fiscal results from last year revealed that Switch has now sold 85 million units, which is what eight times as many we use as they sold. Yeah, they sold like what 13 million, I think. Yeah, that's Hopefully wild. Somebody, yeah, hope somebody checks the math on that one. <laughs> leave a leave a shout out <laughs> in the comments, all all you math heads. <laughs> Their operating profits were up 85% year over year, coming in at under $6 billion, just under. It's like 5.9. But, you know, I like to round round numbers. Yeah, when, was, when, it, uh, when you're talking about billions, I, I know you like rounding, <laughs> Seth. I mean, what's a, few, yeah. Yeah. what's a few million here or there, you yeah. know? Chump change. It's yep. uh, Yeah, I mean, the yacht that fits inside my other yacht cost a million dollars, but... <laughs> I'm just amazed <laughs> that Nintendo wasn't able to get these mad profits from selling playing cards back in the day. This is a <laughs> mind right here. They still, if I'm not mistaken, they still have a playing card department. Is that oh, yeah, correct? They do. Yeah. I've always wanted to buy the the Pokemon ones. Those uh, you can find them on eBay here and there. They're really cool. I, yeah, I bought. Some, I have the playing cards and I have the Hanafuda cards, the mm -hmm. the Japanese card game, which is really would you. Cool. Do me a favor and please explain Hanafuda because I know that they are cards that exist and it's a Japanese card game. But what, how is it sort of related to or different from what we in the West are familiar with? Do you have them nearby? No, they're in a different room, but it's basically ah. they're flights of cards that are thematically related. And you have to basically collect all of the the cards that are that look similar are in the in the same flight. So like for example, the Mario edition will have like Mario themed ones with the character and like Princess Peach and you have to get the whole flight. Um how it exactly works, I am waiting for my Japanese mother-in-law to come and visit us so she can explain it to me. <laughs> how many cards in a deck? I don't know. Why are you asking these questions? <laughs> I just assumed you lived in Japan. I just it, assumed you knew. They really I'll I'll bring in next time, but they're really neat. They're they're like tiny little cards and they're thick. They're you know, they're not thin like playing cards. Yeah, they're made of like a like a plasticky material rather than like a paper. Mm -hmm. Um and they make oh, a like really satisfying like a slapping noise when you kind of throw them down because the, the Oh the, like when you're playing dominoes. Yeah. Bam! Yeah, I'll be honest. Okay. I don't know anything about Hanafuda cards. I just really like the illustrations on them. They're just really nice. On Amazon, you get a deck for like thirteen bucks. I see. Mm. The, oh, really? The traditional yeah. deck. Yeah, you you can find the Nintendo made ones pretty easily here. I bet. I bet I could find one on sale. Oh. That's my job. Oh my god! Right. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I'll, and I'll let you all know. Keep keep it locked to IGN deals on Twitter. Um, <laughs> This was not a record year for revenue for Nintendo, but that is fine because, you know, revenue is profit minus costs. So, you know, <laughs> revenue is not the same as profit. Profit is the money you get to keep. Revenue is the money that you made. Uh, so it's like after you pay your bills. 
Look, it's, you know, I, it, I, honestly, like all the comparisons, like every time a company announces their financial results, right? Like they'll find the good in it. Right? Yeah. And obviously yeah. setting a new overall profit record is awesome. Um, but there are some, there's some apples to oranges comparison work always going on, right? Like when we look at the switch being so super successful, you have to put it in the context of how big the Wii plus the DS success was at the time. Nintendo had right. two devices in the market right they basically owned handheld and they did really well really well better than the competition with the wii but at the time the yen to the dollar was like i think it was like between 30 and and 15 cents lower than what it is now so the the success they had with the the wii and the ds was not beaten right now if you really compare apples to apples even you know if you add inflation it's a even bigger bigger success back then but I don't want to take anything away. Like the switch is selling really well. Unit sales are really high. Nintendo is having a a banner year, certainly, but it ain't the Wii or DS Heights. Like it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You really, well, that it's really good that you put that into context because when I was just thinking about how looking back on the Nintendo Wii and the success of the DS, like the DS is one of the top selling platforms of all time. So it was completely wild to me that Nintendo was beating them in terms of profit, but being able to understand all of that in the context of the end and everything makes a heck of a lot more sense to me. I remember when the Nintendo Switch was originally coming around thinking, hey, well, Nintendo is staking a lot on one platform. They've always had their handheld business to fall back on in the past, and now they don't really have that. They don't have as much of a safety net, which is maybe one reason that they're spending so much time diversifying with things like theme parks and movies and whatnot they're like well we got to find a way to not stake our entire future on one uh platform but in the meantime uh it seems to be working out very well for them yeah they're charging remember they're also charging a lot more for software now right like we're paying console prices for remakes or re-releases from the wii u ports uh whereas like the ds games were cheaper than you know the wii games at remember that time when handheld games were cheaper and all of that yeah oh yeah or even nintendo games yeah Yeah. nintendo games were cheaper but i mean as as we've seen with returnal maybe nintendo games will continue to be cheaper than console games again in the in the in the future so we'll see yeah i mean at the same time that's a good point though right because like one of the numbers that struck out to me uh, stuck out to me from the release was that they sold 9 million copies of super mario 3d all-stars and like almost 6 million copies of super mario 3d world right like 16 million copies of a decade old game is insane (sighs) it they basically sold in a month and a half they Almost sold as many copies of 3D World as we use 3D World in the entire <laughs> lifetime, right? Just to put that into context, like there is a huge difference to the last generation for mm-hmm. Nintendo here. But hey, I want to make able a- to repackage and repurpose all those Wii U games for the Nintendo Switch. Sure, is working out for them, aren't they? It's working out amazingly. And I, I want to put, I, if I may, I want to put a prediction out there. I think the Switch will be the best-selling console of all time. Oh, and okay. Of like. Um, that's- not just you're saying like all time. all time and i think there are core reasons for that if i if i if i may indulge you okay. uh, for one second so Please. first of all first of all this this may have been the peak year for hardware sales right 28 million is a lot and uh you, we had the pandemic happening we had you know the competitors having some shortages obviously and so maybe not being able to um you know compete in in stores uh with the the, the switch supply but this is also 
fourth year in the PlayStation 2 sales history was also the peak year for that console. And mm. the uh, the Switch outsold it. So mm. right now, Switch is eighth, right behind Xbox 360 uh, in, in the top selling consoles of uh, of all time. It just beat the GBA and the PSP. Um, they're projecting, what, like 25 million sales? In the next year, yes. which would mean it is really close to the Wii, which sold 101 million units, and the PS1, which sold 102 million units. So, like within the next year, it's already going to be there head to head with the Wii and the PS1. PS2 in its top selling year, I know there's a lot of numbers, uh, but it, PS2 in the top selling year, year four, sold 22 million units versus just. And, you know, like, obviously the PS2 had a long sale. It almost sold 160 million units. So we don't know, will the Switch have the staying power? However, here comes the Nintendo trick, which is what they did with the DS and the GBA. They iterate on the hardware. So the if if the Switch acts like the handheld consoles of yore, it'll have a long tail. And Mm -hmm. we'll get the Switch DX and the sales of the DX will be lumped in with the sales of the standard Switch and the Switch Lite, which, you know, you obviously didn't have with the PS2 going to the PS3 or anything like that. So, um, yeah, and if you don't mind me saying, I think that one of the advantages from the Nintendo Switch is that graphics don't matter as much as they used to. One of the things with the Wii was that it felt incredibly dated by this life cycle whereas the nintendo switch still feels quite fresh in many ways and that a lot of that is to do with the success of indie games like you look at a game like stardew valley or last year like hades it came out and they were incredibly successful on the nintendo platform as long as you have a really good art style you're probably going to be doing okay so i think that adds a lot of weight to your argument that the nintendo switch has a very good chance of becoming the best-selling console of all time and I think, like, if you look back at previous consoles and you look at what the top selling game was, it was always Mario Kart, right? And oh, what a coincidence! The, <laughs> the Switch, the Switch has not had its own Mario Kart. Like, if True. we are, oh, that is, if if the Switch gets a Mario Kart Nine in year five or six or whenever, it's it's gonna blow up again. It's gonna do top ten every single year still. The attachment yeah. rate's practically one to one. It's remarkable. Yeah, and is. Mario Kart Eight is gorgeous. It holds up oh, yeah. so well. Oh, such good music too. It, oh my it god, it sold ten million in the last year. Like it outsold yeah. the new games that they released. It's yeah. at thirty four point five million copies, which is almost enough for every person living in California right now. <laughs> five million people in California are short, uh, but yeah, like in the biggest state in America, everyone gets a free Mario Kart Eight. So that's not even I mean, counting the, the add the units from the Wii U to, and obviously it is now the biggest Mario Kart. But the the Wii Mario Kart it uh, sold thirty seven million. So just you know, they, that one wasn't just, even that good. <laughs> oh man, people get so mad if you came with the wheel. Everybody wanted that plastic wheel thing. That's what they. Really <laughs> I just found mine the other day when I was cleaning my basement, which you can't tell that I did any cleaning. But I was like, I like oh, look at this thing I'll never use. I, I like the two two uh, character dynamic though. Like if they brought that back on the on the Switch with Mario Kart Nine, Mario Kart Nine Ooh, Double Dash yeah. Two, boom, bring Ooh. it! Oh, I'm and into it. What? Who doesn't? Double Dash is my is my favorite Mario Kart. Maybe I'm an old. In 2010, guy. I fulfilled my dream. Guy. 
in 2010, I fulfilled my dream of linking up every single, like eight TVs so that we could play (laughs) the 16 player double dash over the local area network. It was probably the greatest moment of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's right. Bring back, bring back GameCube two character carts, call it Mario Kart Mm -hmm. Ultimate. And what? Every stage ever. <laughs> the switch does the switch needs, needs a, a handle you know uh right yeah just like that uh mm-hmm. I, no i'm I'm really excited uh because they already have you know they put the ds and the ds light and now we have a switch and a switch light so what i'm waiting for is the switch eye right remember the dsi i love the dsi yeah, of course the switch eye the switch eye is a, uh, it's a terrible name it's awful awful name but but as long as they don't make the switch uh region locked like they did with the dsi i'm okay with Ooh. it you know what it'll be called? It'll be called New Nintendo Switch. Yeah. It'll oh, be a yeah. horrible, horrible name. <laughs> it won't be, be confusing at all to all no. the people who are going to be buying it. Well, that was going to be my next question for everybody on the panel is like, Nintendo doing so well with the Switch, they said themselves this is their mid, mid-life or of, of their console. What, is the, uh, what are the chances that my prediction that we see the Super Nintendo Switch this holiday season <laughs> are going to come true? <laughs> Switch Pro. It sounds like the Switch Pro. It, it probably the Switch Pro will not be out till next year because there's a combination of chip shortages and oh, just yeah, COVID yeah, yeah. in general. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Switch Pro launched say next March or there. I, as someone who's watched everyone's like heartbreak of not being able to get an Xbox and not being able to get a PlayStation Five, still I would more than welcome Nintendo to hold off until the supply is enough that people can get them i mean that will probably never happen but not to the point that we have right now with the xbox series x and especially the playstation 5 it's still just absolutely impossible so yeah and graphics cards right yeah. like the, the, you, the oh the, that's even yeah forget it you're not the getting shortages are, are are pretty gnarly cat you you're exactly right I, I they could right they could roll something out in the uh, during the holidays but i feel like i feel like they'll have a strong lineup this holiday season we, we we gotta get one of the many games that we thought were coming out last year. Um, oh, that we're, we'll get to that story. <laughs> they probably yeah exactly exactly. So they probably don't need uh, don't need it. By the way, one thing I thought was interesting in the financial results was they showed the uh, the number of games that they released every year. Um, you know which which they do in their their financial records on their website. And I this last year you can definitely see the impact of COVID. Like they only yeah. released. 13 Nintendo-made games. That's down from 17 the year before and 19 in the year prior. So it def- there definitely was a decline in games. And then obviously, you, somebody mentioned it earlier, a lot of them were re-releases and, and yeah. you know, encores from, from the Wii U and GameCube days. But third-party games were up to 335 in the United States. That's up from like wow. under 300 before. But, you know, lots obviously huge indie lineup um, yeah. from the West. Yeah. Was it you, Pear, who was yeah. telling us that uh, for development in Nintendo, the development stations are like bolted to the desks, so the work from home situation probably was very difficult to yeah. have to go into every employee's home and bolt the development yeah. station to their. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was. I'm, you know, I especially a company like Nintendo that is so careful with their their code and how they uh, distribute it. I. It must have been a huge undertaking to get people to work from home and contribute and work together on code, right? 
like our capture stations that were provided by Nintendo in the in the in the past for um, previous consoles were bolted to the desk. Like That's... we had to have a designated area within IGN and every other publication, and you couldn't remove that unit and bring it somewhere else. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was kind of ridiculous because i'm still 200 miles away from boston but whatever had i had nordvpn that wouldn't have been a problem i would have just gone in changed my settings to another geographic area and boom i could have been watching all the boston bruins home games like it was nothing at all so now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, That link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're causing me to flash back to the days where I had to hunch over a DS that was literally bolted to a table oh, so I could review that's games. Awful. <laughs> so bad. Oh, it was horrible. That sounds Ooh. awful. Ugh. I mean, uh, on the on the Switch Pro, uh, the Switch Plus, maybe they'll go an Apple. It's the Super route. Nintendo Switch. We've all decided that's I, what it's going to be. I think the all, I mean, are going to. I think they're going to be like, oh, we're now a, we're now an Apple competitor. We're going to go Switch Plus. Is a, is a name. no? I, mm. I think one consideration though is like. There are talks, right? Like there, uh, that one, that Pokemon game, that open world Pokemon game that's set in yeah. the in the past. You know, a lot of the people who saw it are like, oh, it's a little, it's a little jittery, it's a little, the, the frame rate's not quite there. Maybe it's there on a, on a Switch Pro or a Switch Two or whatever. And so maybe there are some invisible considerations that we got to take out. That maybe 
there are some games, maybe potentially this holiday, early early 2022, that have a best on Switch 2 sort of signifier. Oh, yeah. And right. in that case, you know, regardless of chip shortages, maybe Nintendo's hands are, are forced to sort of put out a more powerful console just to accompany these more powerful games. Right. They tried it briefly with, remember the new Nintendo 3DS? Mm, yes, that? I have yeah. mine yeah. around here. But, but, but the idea was that you, games would look better on it. And obviously, you know, there was, there was really a, a, a big step forward and, and it wasn't a big success for Nintendo, but they've, they've tried that before. Um, I, I think now, though, the story is much bigger, right? Like Microsoft just added frame rate boosting to games yeah. on, your, on your new consoles. And like, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of chatter around that. And I think Nintendo is not going to ignore that. To piggyback yeah. one on what you were saying, Matt, I think that I would not be shocked. So we, we saw in the leaked Capcom documents that Monster Hunter Rise is a timed exclusive and will most likely be coming out on PC maybe next year. And if that aligns with a Switch Pro release, you could have a Monster Hunter Rise. It's on PC and it's also been enhanced Ooh. for Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. There you go. The new Nintendo Switch XL. It's like a 14-inch <laughs> I'd buy it. Give me oh, a better I'll... screen and I'm into it. Yeah. The Joy-Cons are so small. My hands cramp up like right here because yeah. of how small Ooh. they are like it's awful mm. i, would yeah, I have to switch. do this weird thing with my pinky fingers where i sort of rest switch <laughs> on them while i play it in handheld mode it's it's very very strange but as the owner of a swimming pool only filled with joy con i can tell you <laughs> they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna um, replace the, the joy con so you'll you'll have to go pro controller i lo- yeah. i think the pro controller is really good fantastic yeah. And I under, somebody Maybe was telling me they can fix tr- the Joy-Con drift after four years. Ooh, be nice. no, impossible. Uh, no, yeah. it's a feature. They're gonna make a game, <laughs> yeah, where, where you drift and you win. You rack Auto up points. Drift. <laughs> it's it's for F Zero bringing back F Zero. They got oh my God. Have a drift feature. I, that's in my. I, I want F Zero back very badly, but that was uh, Nintendo's sales news from their fiscal year report. Uh, they did real, real well. We're happy for them. Good job, Nintendo. Keep it up. We're all rooting for you. Yesterday, exciting news at like like seven o'clock. Nintendo said, "Hey, babe. Hey, by the way, uh, here's a game where you can just make your own games. And it's not Super Mario Maker. It's like Game Builder Garage. And basically, Cat. Uh, actually, you wrote this story. I did. Yes. Labo I- meets Dreams. Would you?" <laughs> care to explain that i'm into it so trust nintendo to announce a game at 3 p.m just randomly on twitter (laughs) it sounds like this game was originally going to be under the labo branding but labo maybe wasn't up to Mm. what nintendo was hoping it would be so they kind of changed the name wink wink but it's basically (laughs) kind of in that dynamic except now you're making video games which is pretty neat And I'm kind of hopeful because Dreams is a very powerful game for the PlayStation, but it's also a little dense. It's a little intimidating. And I'm hopeful that Nintendo is managed manages to kind of thread the needle and be able to create something that's really accessible and easy to understand, but at the same time, quite powerful. I'm really interested to see what people are able to create using their interface. My main concern about this is that it's going to end up being maybe too simple. And Mm. so anything that people create, it's just going to be kind of basic arcade games. But as Mario Maker has shown in the past, 
actually, the tool set has been surprisingly robust. So I guess we will see. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say, right? Sure. The node, the the, <laughs> no, the the little nodons, the little figures that they introduce. Yeah. That's going to be the next Smash Smash character. <laughs> oh, Come on, I'm for oh. Smash, I'm into it. Little Nodon has entered the battle, and Nodons make little connections and like <laughs> attach strings to everything. It's going to be awesome. Well, cool. I think at a minimum, that could be an assist trophy. So that's just like come in and start changing the the level right beneath your feet. That would be crazy. I think that's more likely, honestly. But um, you know, anything but Waluigi, as we know. <laughs> He's sitting or back Dino. there watching us. I don't know if you can see him back nope. there. There's going to be a, a purple node on with a little hat, and then and, and it's going to be like, He's a Wodon! We, we, oh! we gave it to you. <laughs> he, I mean, speaking of uh, Waluigi, like, it's weird that this isn't under the Wario brand, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I was yeah because WarioWare DIY was basically something very similar to this concept, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but maybe that's uh, Kat, as you said. Maybe the the heritage here is Labo. It was under the Labo brand, and they wanted to get away from it, but not not have to add Wario and all that. I just don't think the kids like Wario. I think they're scared of him. Yeah, it's like scary, scary, scary imaginary dude. man. Yeah, intimidating. It's been a while since we've seen a WarioWare game, which yeah, we're we're due. I think. Yeah, I mean uh, this for those of you who are just listening. You you should probably go watch the video. Because it's it's definitely more robust than Mario Maker. There's they're showing off games of very many different genres, with many different sort of graphics. I'm really interested to see how this all sort of shakes out. Like there's got to be some sort of library of graphical assets that you can use. Like you're not going to be able to to make your own, or are you? It looks like there's some uh, there's a texture maker in it, right? There. Oh. I saw oh some some God. UI elements. This, it reminds me a little bit. I um on my Super Famicom, the Super NES, I had a game called Desiremon. Desiremon was a shmup maker where you used a, a a little bit more of a more involved interface to make your own 2D shooters, and like it used kind of similar concepts like this. And I I really really enjoyed that, but it, but it also was daunting where yeah. you could tell like certain people would go nuts and make like a full 2D Star Wars game, which I inv- I attempted and never succeeded at. But like <laughs> you know, most people will go, "This is just too much work," and so yeah, I think they're trying to make game design a little bit more accessible here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also a, a visual, or excuse me, a, a free programming mode, which they don't show anything of but you know that'll be a great way to sort of connect the concepts that you're seeing in the graphical uh programming with the actual logic that's involved because that's the real hard part of programming is understanding the logic and understanding Mm -hmm. the way a computer thinks i am personally i'm so excited even though it was six o'clock last night or 6 30 when i saw this my time i opened up my work computer and i went on to slack and i said (laughs) to dan stapleton i said dan i want to review this game and so, you know, fingers crossed that nobody, nobody else gets there before me. But I already, I already got it. I already had damn it. it. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> but Dan brought up a good point. He's like, I don't know. It's going to be hard to review this as a game because this is more like a tool. So I don't know. By the way, I always imagine when Nintendo is heading, you know, towards the end of the quarter or the end of the fiscal year, mm-hmm. and they're putting together their um, earnings announcements and their messaging to their shareholders. Last minute, they go, 
can we confirm November for Zelda, Mr. Miyamoto? And it's like, mm, you know, lots of air sucking, <laughs> nobody's sure. And then like last minute they go, okay, let's put one of these like 30 games we have on the back burner, like grab one out of the back bag and put it in our earnings call. And you see it, right? Like they, when they talk about the upcoming games list, this game is on there. And then like hours before the earnings call, they got to get this announcement out. And so that's how you end up with the, the Twitter exclusive announcement of a new game made by the people at Nintendo headquarters. Yeah. Like 20 minutes it, before this was announced, I heard new Nintendo IP and I was just like, Oh my gosh, what? how big could this be? Could this be like arms? Is this like the big budget game for the fall? What's it going to be? And it's like, no, it's, it's this game, but it's, no, that's not a bad thing necessarily. I, th- I love, I love the creativity that Nintendo continues to exhibit, and I long may it continue. It's not arms, but it's fingers. Oh, oh. this! Oh. oh, I love it. Uh, it's nice. Yeah, no, I mean, like, what? Uh, going back to the financial calls just for a little bit, like uh, uh, the exercise game Ring Fit Adventure sold like eight million copies last year. Like, I love that. Crazy, wild, it's wild. Yeah. And that was also very hard to find there for a long time. About a year ago, something happened and everyone was like, I'm going to get real fit. <laughs> Couldn't get that game either. But yeah. What, could it, what was it? What, what event triggered that? What happened? Yeah. That? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good point. It's that that's an example of where Nintendo is trying to reclaim some of the, the stuff that worked for the Wii, right? Wii Fit mm. was a huge success. We yeah. haven't seen a return to Wii Sports I mean, <sighs> the um, was it the 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 parlor games? God, why, why am I one two out? switch? Oh, like, one two switch. Yeah, no, no. What's the clubhouse um, games? Oh, clubhouse yeah, games. There yeah. you go. Clubhouse yeah, club, games. Yeah, clubhouse games sold like three million units, right? And like that's yeah. the closest to kind of getting back to some of the casual software that really worked, like we play on the on on the Wii. But I'm wondering, are we going to see like a Wii Sports type game, or will Nintendogs make a return, like some of the more mainstream games? Oh mm-hmm. uh, well, you could make your own. Wii they Sports a, game. Didn't now. they announce a Brain Age uh, spinoff or something for the Switch it, recently? Yeah. It came out. It came out in yeah. in, Euro- in Japan and Europe. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're not good enough. No, we didn't. They gave up <laughs> no. on our brain. We're not. We're not smart enough. We're our <laughs> Brain Age is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Brain Age. I, please bring that back. Uh, now all I do is just play Sudoku, and it's thanks to the original uh, Brain Age that I actually learned how to play Sudoku. So, one more point I really think is important about uh game builder garage is that it supports a mouse wow isn't that exciting it reminds news me of mario paint yes yeah, it reminds me yeah. it brings me back to kind of those days like the the legacy of games like game builder garage really runs deep all the way back to the super nintendo so yeah. being able to plug a supported mouse into the usb slot just immediately gave me those vibes i have i i should I should really bring all my toys. I have a Nintendo yes, 64 yes. mouse, which worked with, it worked with uh, F-Zero uh, construction kit. Whoa. So you could, because it was all like, it was a game builder too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it had this complicated track builder, but you could drag the nodes with the mouse. So cool. it was so hard to do with a controller. Yeah. Lots of things it's, were hard to do with a Nintendo 64 controller, but that's indeed. A- Neither here nor there. I'm very excited. I mean, it's obvious that I'm very excited about Game Builder Garage. Um, it reminds me of uh, my kids used to, or my oldest son used to do this thing called Scratch, which was a program that MIT developed mm-hmm. for young kids to learn programming. And it's very, this sort of interface is very reminiscent of that with, of course, the Nintendo Polish. 
that was a little one thing about that scratch program it's is you know it's made by a bunch of nerds at mit all they know is like engineering <laughs> things of that nature but yeah maybe they have aspirations uh, that's a good, a good point my my son did scratch too maybe they have aspirations to uh for like coding classes to use the switch more mm -hmm. i know with labo yeah. they tried to go to more schools um, for oh, the yeah. creativity sets, but obviously you run out of cardboard. Um, but with this, it could be a really cool introductory tool for people and then moving on to Scratch after that. I just really, you know, Nintendo is always chasing after Apple. And what helped mm -hmm. Apple get as big as it is now is they mm -hmm. put an Apple into every school in America. Who didn't play Oregon Trail on an old, crickety old Apple IIe that was sitting in the back of their, their uh, grade school room in East Machias, Maine? Oh, I guess that's specific to me. But <laughs> all right. That was uh, Game Builder Garage. It's coming out June 11th, which is just the perfect time. Nothing else is going on. So why not put it out on June 11th? Yeah, it'll be fun to try to review that game. But now we're going to get into the real, the, the TMZ gossipy stuff. The real, real juicy goss with the Epic Games versus Apple trial. You might think that this is just, you know epic and apple but you'd be way off because everybody in the industry is having all their dirty laundry just aired uh we're learning all kinds of stuff about xbox how like they never made they've never made a profit on an xbox console which is just uh mind-blowing to me but there's some nintendo news too from all places from xbox actually xbox mm -hmm. expected breath of the wild 2 to launch in 2020 there was a this comes from a document entered in, in entered into evidence originating from microsoft and it was a rough outline of their biggest <laughs> uh releases for q3 q4 2020 which mm, i can't think of any with halo infinite having been delayed but yeah uh, xbox not xbox not so good yeah. at predicting when games come out right? <laughs> no, yeah not even not even their own which is <laughs> kind of crazy there but uh what was probably more interesting than the games that they thought they were going to put out were the games that they thought Nintendo was going to put out. So Xbox was pretty sure that Bayonetta 3 was going to come out. Uh, they were pretty sure Shin Megami Tensei 5 and Metroid Prime 4 were all going to be big 2020 blockbuster games. So, um, yeah, that's... We know how that turned out. Breath of the Wild 2, uh, or as Nintendo referred to it in its financial briefing, the upcoming sequel to Breath of the Wild was also predicted by Xbox for a 2020 release. So basically, it goes to show that even with the massive resources at the Xbox team's disposal, they are no better at video game predictions than and some jerk in a camouflage hat on a podcast. Whatever intern put together that report was probably literally Googling, when is Breath of the Wild 2 coming out? Oh, it might be coming out in 2020. Now, in right. fairness, I think that it, if Nintendo, if the pandemic had not happened and Nintendo had been able to swing it, I think they absolutely would have loved to have put out Breath of the oh, Wild yeah. 2 in 2020 because there was a giant... Breath of the Wild 2 shaped hole in that <laughs> yeah. holiday season. We ended up getting Age of Calamity ultimately. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we all know what COVID is doing to everything. But as for Xbox, it really just seems like they're going by publicly available information. They're like, well, this, this could be what happens. We could get Bayonetta 3, maybe. We could get Breath of the Wild 2, maybe. But I don't think that Xbox has any special sources or special sources, uh, special intel. They're just kind of putting together a basic briefing for Xbox executives. 
I mean, uh, they're both in they're both in Washington, right? They're both in Redmond, you know. Oh I, yeah, they, I, I think it would be cool if they did like old school espionage, you know, where Microsoft <laughs> was like, "All right, you apply to Nintendo, you get in there, you find out what they're working on, you come back and report to us, and we'll give you a, a billion." So dollars it's like the yourself. Americans, yeah. the Americans, yeah, where exactly. they're like. They embed somebody, they get them hired in Nintendo mm-hmm. from the start. But I, I'd watch that show, yeah. honestly. So, and they yeah. just walk over the campus. They just One guy from Microsoft <laughs> just walks across the lawn into Nintendo. It's like, hello, may I have a job, please? I'm not from Microsoft, I promise. <laughs> right, before they, before they moved, they used to be literally next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, the wow. binoculars theory could have uh, could hold water there, where you just kind of look into the boardroom <laughs> next door and try to read the game titles. But you know what, Kat, what you said is we also don't know exactly when that that sort of Intel was put together and, you know, maybe it was in the beginning of the year. And then later in the year, Microsoft said, no, there's no breath of the wild this year. I'm sure, I'm sure Microsoft would have preferred to not launch Halo at the same time as Nintendo launching a new Zelda game. Right. So um, I'm sure they updated their Intel too. Well, the document said August. So probably around that time. So that's kind of what they were expecting around August, 2020. I mean, that's surprisingly late. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all figured Bayonetta was not going to show after no, no life no. sign. Yeah. Yeah. The Metroid Prime 4 prediction, that was, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't have, like, we don't know much about the doc. We're so far out from Metroid Prime 4. It's not yeah, even funny. Yeah. It's so sad. It's like a secret. Someone at Microsoft just really wanted Metroid Prime 4 and just put it in the doc, hoping that it would, <laughs> it would wheel it into existence. Like, maybe if I put so it in the doc. You're saying it's corporate wish listing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I really want Metroid Prime 4. Let's put it in the doc and maybe it'll happen. And Gino's going to be in Smash Brothers, Bill Spencer. <laughs> right. It's going to happen. Yeah. The, the Mother 3 fan translation is going to be made official. <laughs> yeah. That is not true. Xbox did not predict that. Although that is kind of surprising because this does, like Kat was saying, this does seem like a pretty cursory Google search to look for some, some company wide intel. They probably have like a better, a better <laughs> finger on it than this. This is, this is just what was entered in as mm-hmm. evidence in this particular trial which is between epic and apple again not nintendo not xbox not sony but now we know all the secrets and it's just mm, it's just so tasty and it's and incredibly mundane it is it, oh i feel bad for reb because she's like she's following the story in real time correct she's like listening to every yes. boring awful detail i actually wanted her to come onto the show today but she's like i can't yeah. If my anything, fa- it f- hasn't been boring. It's been actually really hilarious because because all, <laughs> all the confusion or all the documents happening and the judge saying, "What is this? What is that? Why isn't this like Netflix? I don't understand anything that's going on." Multiple game developers coming in saying, "Can you please seal this document? This is all trade secrets that are coming in." It's been yeah. hilarious. That and was then gamers gamers calling in too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like. <laughs> what they have Collins now? They're like, yeah, they're no, they had save Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, they keep on yelling save Fortnite. Oh, <laughs> I didn't oh. realize that. Hey, we got uh, Billy on the phone from uh, Schenectady, New York. Uh, go ahead, Billy. You're on the save line. Fortnite. <laughs> Anytime gamers get involved with anything serious, it's gonna everything's gonna go crazy. It's gonna be great. Oh, so man, we got good. two more weeks of this. Yep. Oh, it's so exciting. Have they gotten into the definitions of like V-Bucks and things of that? Because I know that they had to like define a mobile phone, in, which is... Defi- uh, sorry, I mean, they've been defining stuff like, like what is Eurogamer? It's like Eurogamer is a website. Yeah. I can't, I wonder when we're, uh, I hope we get into the record at yes, some point. Yes, when's IGN? Yeah. 
What does IGN stand for? Uh, nobody, nobody knows. <laughs> it's it's good times. If you like legalese and hilarious, uh, not intentionally hilarious, but you know they have to they have to explain these definitions of very mundane terms. So yeah, what is a mobile phone? Oh, it's a phone that you put in your pocket that you can take with you. That's why it's mobile. But uh, so Microsoft expected Breath of the Wild two last year. They expected Prime four. Bayonetta 3, Shimigami Tensei 5, and we got none of them. And they also didn't get Halo Infinite, but that is okay. We'll let that one cook for a little bit longer. I'm fine with that. Well, same with all of these games. Like, would I love to have Metroid Prime 4 tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely, but it's got to be real, real good. It's gotta, we, want the, we want the great edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, want a, I want a game that feels the same. I want to feel the same way I felt the first time I played Metroid Prime, where mm-hmm. I Actually, I couldn't conceive possibly how they were going to turn this franchise into a 3D game. And then I played it and my mind was completely blown. And it was this like transformative experience for me. And uh, I love that game so much to the point where now I'm kind of regretting that I sold it on eBay. Uh, look, last. Uh, how do we translate Metroid to 3D? Answer color coded enemies. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still have that Steelbook Wii edition that's like. 200 bucks yeah. on ebay uh but like that price is gonna tank the moment they release the trilogy on switch that's so. part of the reason why i got yeah i got rid of a lot of my games because like they're just gonna remake these and then yeah. the prices they're not gonna be collectible anymore but we've been waiting for that trilogy to come out for like two years now i know is, is it ever it's, gonna happen it's in that bucket of 50 games that they <laughs> once in a while they pull a new one out yep. <laughs> I mean, I keep expecting every disappointing Metroid Prime for news or no show is going to be like, I don't know why I feel that, like I think this. I think everybody thinks this. The consolation is that they're going to tell us that the trilogy is coming out. And they never yeah. do that. They'll be like, hey, Prime 4 is, is delayed. And everyone's like, oh, but? And they're like, all right, well, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> every time. Oh, Goodbye. well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just have to make my own version of the Metroid Prime trilogy. <laughs> you could do it on in uh, Garage. That's I, that's. I keep trying. Hey. I keep almost saying garbage, and but it's not like a Freudian slip. <laughs> I think it's actually very cool. I just think that it's just it's the words are too close together, so I keep almost saying Nintendo garbage, but I don't mean it because I am excited for it. Yeah, it's not. I gar- do like the you- idea of possibly being able to build your own Zelda or your own Metroid in a Game Builder Garage. I mean, that was one of the clips that they showed. It looked sort of like an uh, adventure sort of for 2600 and Zelda kind of thing with a stick figure holding a sword, which is also Kingdom of Loathing. So there's all kinds of, all kinds of things that you can do there. Oh, deep cut. Oh, uh, talk to 2006 Seth. You couldn't because mm-hmm. he's playing Kingdom of Loathing. It's too busy. There you go. I can't talk right now. I got to get my the pickle prices are going crazy right now. Um, another thing that came out from this Epic and Apple court case, which is kind of another weird thing, is that if you want to work for Nintendo with Nintendo and you're a Japanese company, you better not have any unseemly business associates. <laughs> Partners not cannot surprising. be, and I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry, but Boryokudan. Oh, boy. Boryokudan. And. <laughs> look like an idiot I'm over going with here. Pear here. I'm going to uh, go with pair too. And that's why I'm not going to say it, but that is uh, basically organized crime groups, which seems like a pretty standard thing to not want to do business with. As a matter of fact, that is actually a pretty common clause 
among Japanese businesses. Basically, like mm-hmm. if you want to work with us, you can't have any connections to organized crime. Well, so fun fact, I, I lived in Japan from 2006 to 2009, and I was teaching oh. English for a company called Nova, which did actually have connections to the Yakuza's. All right. <laughs> it's more of a thing than you think. You, that, can't, you can't work with Nintendo. You're out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Well, I have mob connections well, now. So you were there till 2009. I was there in, in the in the 90s. And oh. um a big thing happened in 2010. That's when when Japan passed the uh, the national uh, what was it the the yakuza exclusionary laws. So mm-hmm. it, again, like putting something on the record that should be common sense, like do not work with bad people. And uh, but but the yakuza were so ingrained in Japanese culture, right? Like in some cases they were. They were almost, uh, you know, put on a pedestal as these kind of like bad boy heroes. And then in 2000, 2000, um, yeah, 2010, they really cracked down and the police got involved in, in bigger ways. A lot changed. When I was in Japan, every arcade parlor, every uh, uh, pachinko parlor was basically either owned by the Yakuza or protected by the Yakuza. And like after the exclusionary laws, they basically, they took retired police uh, officers and they became the protectors of the businesses. So like if you, if you wind back the clock, like did Sega work with, uh, uh, with, with the Yakuza? Yeah, of course, because they sold the arcade machines. Did Nintendo? Yeah, of course, they sold the arcade machines. Konami? Probably still. And, <laughs> oh, can't. We don't know, right? But like, there's, there are definitely things going on like that behind the scenes. And when that crackdown happened, I think just a lot of companies more outwardly stated that they're not supporting the Yakuza in any way. And this is what that document is, right? It's just, uh, it's basically spelling it out and saying, you know, if anything ever happened, look, we have this document that says we don't work with organized crime. And Is yet, it- when the 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 earthquake happened ten years ago, the Yakuza came out and they were supporting the community. Everybody came together. All right. Yeah, it's like you know, like Very when there's wholesome. a when there's a fire, like you know, the mafia dawn comes out with the fire extinguisher. Everything is good now, you know. I think it would have been funny if uh, you reverse engineered the games that aren't on the Nintendo Switch, and I'm like, well, Sega's on the Switch, you know, Atlas is on the Switch, Microsoft's on the Switch, Konami's not on the Switch. Maybe they got Yakuza ties, right? Uh-oh. Valve games aren't on the Switch. I'm just asking oh. questions. <laughs> yeah. No, K- K- Konami's got Konami's got something coming, right? So uh, there is, uh, but you know, there's um, there, there's a wonderful book. A, a friend of mine, whom I went to college with, um, Jake Edelstein, wrote a book called Tokyo Vice. If you're interested Ooh, in that, uh, that underbelly, it's gonna be it's gonna be a TV show. Actually, yeah, I, I think, think it's uh-huh. is it HBO? Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's. It's pretty shocking. And Kat, I'm sure when you lived in Japan, you saw Yakuza in like the amusement districts like Shinjuku and stuff. It's not hid- it wasn't hidden back then. No. Um, but you, you basically saw the enforcers with the curly hair and the funny shirts and the tattoos. <laughs> They're very strict about tattoos as well. If you have any tattoos to any hot spring or anything like that. So, yeah, I, it's quite ingrained into Japanese culture. And what a bummer. I have this stupidest tattoos and i can never go to a hot spring <laughs> in japan so this is the it. reason why we don't get a yakuza game on the nintendo switch alas well yes mm. maybe not the official reason um they said it probably wouldn't work well on the nintendo switch totally but, would but yeah i know it would but um is is there any sort of like 
Martin Scorsese for Yakuza films. Like, you know, he does a lot of the oh, yeah. Italian mob. And yes, well, is there a director yeah, like that? From Japan, yeah, obviously, Yakuza. They're, they're, they're lots. They're, you know, movies with Beat Takeshi, you know, the, the, all the Sonatina movies. The US ones, you've got Ridley Scott made Black Rain. Remember that? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a little over the top with Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia. Oh, oh yeah. They got like, they got like this. It basically looks like Osaka looks like it's out of Blade Runner, <laughs> which is, it's a lovely town. Trust me. But in that movie, it's all like smoky and there's nobody in the streets, which should tip you off that that is not really Japan. <laughs> um, no, there, there, there's a lot. Okay. There's a, a Netflix show right now called uh, Giri Haji, I think. Uh, that's mm. about uh, that's a UK Japan co-production, and it's basically about this I think British Japanese guy who's involved with the mob, and then also the UK mob is involved somehow, and they kind of clash. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but I heard I heard good things. And it's on my watch list. But it's, I'm writing this yeah. all of these recommendations down. Well, this watch is- out if you haven't seen Outrage. That's the the most the biggest like right. Takeshi movie. That Outrage. one is 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 really really good. And then there was that I'm Michael Crichton book. that Xbox intern wishlisting Yakuza Zero on the Nintendo Switch right now. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to happen, uh, Phil Spencer. Yakuza on the Nintendo Switch, I swear. When Game Pass comes to Switch. That is not going to happen. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh. Sure. Maybe. You know, Breaking my heart, Pear. No way. Come on, Nintendo. No way. Wow. All right. That was uh, a little bit more of the Epic versus Apple stuff that spilled over to everyone else. And, if, you know, if you are listening and you're Yakuza, I'm sorry, you can't work with or for Nintendo. So that's kind of a bummer. I'm, but you do also have like being in the Yakuza, which I guess is a <laughs> consolation. <laughs> so let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, I would like to speak of something very near and dear to me which I restarted and beat, and that was Fez for the Nintendo Switch. Now, when Fez first came out, what was it, 2009, I think? Or maybe it was... Anyway, when it first came out, I was a a one-up community member. That was... Oh, wow. The extent of of my industry was just a community member, and I wrote like two massive essays just expounding my love of fez because it was such an amazing experience for me the first time i played oh my god and i am very happy to say that playing it again it it didn't hit the same highs but it's still just like it brought back a lot of the same feelings that i had the first time i played it and it, it almost uh you know it almost breaks my heart that uh phil fish the creator uh blocked me on twitter and <laughs> after telling me to like i don't remember what, what i did i probably i probably do? said something stupid i don't know i did something bad but he's not on twitter anymore and you know i love this game very much and by the way the soundtrack i still i got sometimes i'll just like lay in bed and listen to the soundtrack as i fall asleep but if you have not played fez i cannot recommend it enough it is a wonderful weird obtuse game my one recommendation is don't like go into it completely blind. Keep a notebook with you to try to like write maps and and figure out the weird like uh, the the hieroglyphs or petroglyphs or whatever you want to call them. It is just it feels everything like uh, how I used to feel when I played games when I was a little kid when I used to play NES games, but in a modern way. And having to turn you know the two D into three D, it still messes with my mind. 
beautiful game. I have to go through now and get all the uh, all the cubes. I got 32. I beat the game and get the little Listen. which is a very product of its time meme thing. And I won't. Oh, man, I just spoiled the ending of Fez. For people who, after telling people to play it, what a horrible oh, no. human. Oh, 2009 video game. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's there's a lot of people who probably never played this game mm-hmm. when it first came out. Well, oh, because can, they're playing it on Switch. You can ask your producer to bleep that part. Yeah, bleep that part out, please, producer. About the, <laughs> the end of, of Fez Red, please do that. I also started last night uh, this game, Spirits of Xanadu, which I also knew nothing about. And that is a really cool really kind of unsettling game that takes place in an alternate reality 1980s where space travel is like just run of the mill but it's graphically it's like an i don't know like a mid 90s sort of 3d exploration game and it also feels very much like that i don't know has anyone else I start. I started it as well. It's um, yeah. It's like basically you you enter a derelict uh, a space station, right? And you're trying to figure out exactly what happens. There's like robots driving around. You get yeah. a gun, but it's not it's not a shooter. It's more like a it's more like an adventure game and a puzzle yeah. game where you have to yeah, figure like- out what is going on and how to get into the next room. It's cool. It's very atmospheric. Um, the, the controls yeah. are. I feel like the controls aren't are a little janky on the Switch. Like. It needs yeah. some tweaking, but I haven't played that much with the customization yet, so I'll do that. Yeah, it's uh, it. I want to point out it's like one of my favorite genres, which is uh, of Switch games, which is a 2015 Steam game <laughs> that is now on Switch. So there are a lot um, of those. Yeah, which they are, and they're all great. Switch. It's true. Yeah, but uh, Matt, what have you been playing lately on the old Nintendo Switch or Nintendo? Uh, <laughs> uh yeah let's check it out i have the most recent game is uh super mario 3d world and bowser's fury which uh, i missed on the wii u because i didn't have a wii u uh much like most of most people yeah most people yeah uh 13 million world, strong right here you know right yeah uh 3d world's not <laughs> blowing me away particularly like it's it's fine it's perfectly okay i think the cat Ooh, stuff man. is cute but like it's not a it's not in my top five, or maybe remind me to check top. the Facebook. Matt, the Nintendo Mafia is coming for you. I know, right? No, <laughs> they don't have a lot. Uh, but Bowser's Fury is cool. I really like. I weirdly enough, like an open, like an open-ish world Mario game is uh, surprisingly compelling. And I'm like, yeah, I could, I could do more of this. Honestly, as a, um, but yeah, 3D World, it's it's fine. I, I, I'm glad I didn't buy a Wii U to to play it. Is what I'm. What is it about? Well, Wii, no one did. What is it about oh, Mario okay. 3D World that's not <laughs> grabbing you, man? I don't know. I think the. I think it honestly, it feels like the console version of the 3DS one, Mario 3D Land, and like 3D Land is also fine and like it's neat and it's like oh, it makes you go ha huh, sometimes with the level design, but it's not. It's not. It doesn't like take my breath away like Odyssey or, or Galaxy. Right. Well, I mean that's kind of a high bar. Uh, maybe, but I mean it was <laughs> it's a like console, doing the best. The console Mario games, you know. I, yeah. I can I can see that. I rediscovered my love for it when I played it on on the Switch, and uh, it's mostly the later levels that are so impressive. They get they get very yeah. hard. The be- in the beginning, the game is 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 somewhat easy, right? Even to find all the 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 hidden stuff in each level and the stamps and all of that. But it gets harder and harder, and then when you get to the extra levels you know mm. at the end of the game there's a little way to get more levels and it just keeps going and going and going it gets harder and harder and harder my one big complaint with that game is exactly what you said like it feels like 3d world on the 3ds was designed around the way of seeing 3d space because the system was literally in 3d and so the fixed angle works 
But when you're playing on the Switch, I've missed so many jumps because of that camera angle and the general setup of like a 2D level, but where you can move laterally and then you go bam and you miss a jump just because of the angle. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels it feels uh, constrained in a way that like, I, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it's fine. It's cute. Like I like it. It's chaos. Yeah. <laughs> My opinion on that game has kind of turned. So like originally I was going, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure that I like it because it's not as precise as a good Mario platformer yep. is. I've mm-hmm. always really loved how precise a Mario platformer is. But now I really appreciate just the sheer chaos of playing with three of my friends. I did that yeah. right when Mario 3D World came out on Switch. And it's just a different flavor of Mario. And it's a lot more refined, in my opinion, than a new Super Mario Wii, which had the four players. I mean, maybe that's a controversial opinion, but I just... I found myself enjoying the the chaos of Mario 3D World with my pals. So yeah, I, th- I actually think it's a it's it is a better multiplayer game, and and people disagree on that one. I felt like the you know the original the first four player Mario was such a chaotic experience because you kept on jumping on each other and dying because yeah. of your friends, <laughs> and like there there was um, really no way to avoid that. It was more chaos. Whereas this one, it's so fast and it's a little looser, right? Like they're they give you a little bit more leeway to succeed. Like you can get additional power. Ups and you don't always uh, immediately die. Um, you know, I I I really liked my second go around with this game. I actually, it it got better in my mind. And yeah, maybe the added speed also adds something. You know, it is faster mm-hmm. than the the first one. Yeah. Oh, I haven't checked it out yet. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I checked it out on Wii U. So anyway, I uh, yes. I've got it. It's it's on sale at Walmart actually. So, uh, Bowser's Cat. Fury is really good. I absolutely yeah. adore that that mode it's so good yeah we it's it's on the it's on the to-do list it's with all the other games Get with it all right i'm sorry cat what have you been playing please i have been playing monster hunter rise oh, nice. since it came out i have a group of friends that i've been playing usually right after work and we're currently in high rank around we're, at, we're about to get into level six i believe so we're not actually that high all things considered because we've been playing Maybe a couple times a week, but it's been really fun. So I got into Monster Hunter through Monster Hunter World, and I was really blown away by that game. I was really taken by how much they, just the presentation, how dynamic the boss battles feel in that game. And I was feeling a little leery about it on Nintendo Switch because I was like, I don't know, like Nintendo Switch is not as powerful as Mm. the uh, PS4 or the PC. I was playing MHW at 60 FPS on my PC, so I wasn't sure. But I have really enjoyed just the aesthetic of Monster Hunter Rise. It's so cute. I kind of really enjoy the open-ended worlds. I think they've done a lot to refine the flow of the combat for Monster Hunter Rise. And I have been really enjoying uh, meeting a lot of monsters. So we were talking about uh, COVID and how that has impacted things. It has definitely impacted Monster Hunter Rise because I believe it was maybe last week that we found out that So they had Monster Hunter Rise 2.0 drop, and that was basically getting toward something, basically the finale. And now at the end of May, they're going to have the actual end game. So I'm not feeling a huge rush because I'm going, yeah, well, there's going to be a lot more content to come. I'm not going to rush through, especially because there's an entire, entirely different rank to jump into for Monster Hunter Rise. But yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful a multiplayer game to be playing with friends. I highly recommend it. If you've never picked up Monster Hunter before, this is, this is kind of the one to get. So yeah, this I, is, I, I love it. Got me into it finally. Like after several tries, this is oh, gotcha. Monster Hunter Rise, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I think I think Monster Hunter was always. Oh, sorry. I just, no, I just go ahead, was, go ahead. yeah, I was just trying to say. I think it was always like a portable game, right? But the thing is, the Switch is just so much more fun to play with than the PSP, and I think that's why this is sort of like that dream, that vision, you know, realized fully. I agree that it's a portable game and a at heart a co-op game, but I love the scope of Monster Hunter Rise. Somebody said that it was basically Dark Souls. What if Dark Souls, but all bosses? And yeah. I mean, that's kind of true. And the boss battles are so memorable and so big when a monster is screaming at you or it knocks you over and the camera kind of tilts and you're looking up at it and it's actually kind of genuinely scary. I like that I can plug my Switch into the dock and actually be able to play it on the TV so that I can kind of retain some of that sense of scope. I think the Switch is really kind of the perfect platform for a Monster Hunter, all things considered. Yeah, and this also is one of the best looking Switch games by like a large large yes. margin it's kind of yeah it's kind no of it's interesting because you see a lot of switch games that have frame rate issues and other technical yeah. problems nintendo first party games and second yeah party games Cal- age of calamity yeah so it's really <laughs> impressive what capcom has managed to accomplish with monster hunter rise which is a very clean game all things considered it's gorgeous but it has an area frame rate switch slip i think that yeah monster hunter rise is a really great accomplishment on the nintendo switch yeah, I'm super stoked for Monster Hunter stories, too, also. Oh, it yeah, it looks like, so good. Just yeah. out of curiosity, Per and Seth, what are your weapons that you are maining? Uh, I use the dual swords sometimes, but then I use the, is it the switch axe? Yes. I'm a boring yeah, longsword like guy. Longsword is boring. cool, uh, but it's uh, difficult to master because it requires um, a lot of understanding of invincibility frames and that kind of thing. So a lot of people pick longsword Damn. to start because they're like, oh, this looks cool. And I understand yeah. the giant katana, yeah. but it's actually quite difficult to use. So yep. Matt, have you been playing uh, Monster Hunter Rise at all? Yeah, yeah. I took a little break, but I'm I'm still in the lower ranks. But I've been playing with friends who've, who've shown me the ropes. And I think you're right about the weapon thing. It's misleading because every Monster Hunter box art has like the character with a big sword. And so you kind of think that that's the default weapon. But the long sword, <laughs> great sword is kind of like the harder weapon to use in those games. But I keep thinking, oh, it's the default one. It's the one that they want you to use, but it, it really shouldn't be. You know, like once I started like messing around with short swords and like swords and shield, like more mobile weapons i'm like oh now i'm having fun i'm not locking up and being murdered all the time which is come change your box art make uh let it kind of like implicitly tell people that they should use other weapons from the start not not a great start (laughs) well my weapons are the switch axe which has been really fun to use in this version and the bow which has been actually pretty broken in monster hunter rise it has had a glitch and I'm not entirely like clear on the nature of what this glitch is, but as far as I know, Monster Hunter Rise 2.0 did not actually address that glitch <laughs> oh, either. Wow. So, yeah. Is it broken in a good way or in a bad way? I think it's broken in a good way. People oh, okay. were suggesting that it was outputting a lot more damage than it mm. actually should. Correct me if I'm wrong, Monster Hunter Rise fans, but that was what I was able to glean when I was reading about uh, reading the patch notes for 2.0. We don't have Casey to fact check you. Pear, <laughs> <laughs> what have you been playing other than uh, uh, Spirits of Xanadu? So I actually really want to play the title update. I haven't been able to play uh, the Monster Hunter uh, Monster Hunter after the update because Pokemon Snap came out. Of course, um, oh, yeah. I'm actually 
I'm enjoying it more than I thought it, I, I'd like it. I played the original on N64 when it first came out. And like, I loved the idea, but I always felt like it was janky. It was really limited. It didn't have, you know, the, didn't have my favorite Pokemon in it. And like, this game is just so charming. And the way I'm playing it, I'm playing it with my youngest son and we switch off. Like uh, a person does one run and then, you know, inevitably when you're playing backseat Pokemon Snapper, you're seeing things that the player is not seeing and you go like, oh, no, no, no you needed to get that you know you needed to get the aerodactyl when it's coming in and so uh we're having just a ton of fun trying to get more like eking out just a little bit more of a point score for each level and and progressing through it i think it's really fun um completely uh, honestly surprised that i like it as much as i as i do because i was gonna be i was ready to be angry at all the cute <laughs> cuteness of it oh, um, so the, mad at these cute little creatures <laughs> that fit in your pocket the other it's games so I'm playing, adorable i'm infuriated uh, by this yeah it makes me mad i want <laughs> i want explosions and bigger dragons um and the, the other games i'm playing just briefly uh picross s6 came out it is exactly the same as s5 to the point where even you know these these games have kind of like a dongle unlock feature where if you own some of the games that unlock some of the bigger puzzles the last two have not unlocked any additional puzzles they just kind of like do the same thing i feel like that series is a little bit stuck in a rut in that mm. it is great the puzzles are great the interface is great but like it just doesn't iterate on its theme the music will drive you crazy it's like a variation uh, on the same classical piece done yeah. over and over and over and so it is still a great game but there's just no difference between s6 and s5 and s4 and so it's just more puzzles it's like when you're buying another book of crossword puzzles you're not gonna you're not gonna go Ooh, this is new and awesome it's like <laughs> is that a Whoa. bad thing more fun not a bad thing no picross is fantastic picross is fantastic just, but it's just like just give me a give me a metroid edition or a zelda edition or something oh J- jupiter yeah. and nintendo worked together in the past like bring it back uh, i also played an indie game called stitchy in tookie trouble which is a absolutely horrible name and it makes me mad because it sounds so cute <laughs> it's so but cute oh it's tables it's kind of like a it's a donkey kong country for kids it's a pretty oh. game where oh, you okay. play as a uh you play as a, a a scarecrow and you know you have to do time jumps it's it's a polygonal 2d game uh it's it's cute it's not going to set the world on fire but you've got if you've got a young one you know like a seven or eight year old who's looking to play something that doesn't kick their ass like Donkey Kong Country does. This is a good alternative. Uh, funky mode says hello. <laughs> That's right. They did add that. It's, it's still frustrating even with that. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, I know. I reviewed that game. One of my favorite games, though, I just want to highlight is uh, is this French title called There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension. Mm. Have you guys ever heard about that? Yeah, that? that was on the Indie no. Showcase. That's right. And it's uh, it's a game that came out on Steam last year, and it's based on an old browser game um, from a French developer called Draw Me a Pixel. It has 98% positive reviews on Steam from, you know. A, oh, wow. A, and and it's, um, it's just super charming. It is. I don't want to say a lot about it, but like imagine something that is in between a kind of a puzzle game and something like a monkey island or salmon max more salmon max humor wise where it is um, 
Like when you're watching the footage, you don't quite get what it is. It's basically you're starting up a computer and the computer says, what are you doing? There's no game here. And then you start missing, messing around with the operating system and pieces fall off and you break it. And eventually you kind of get behind the computer code into this world of this computer OS that keeps on telling you there's no game. And you always find some pieces of a game, including something that is a little bit like a Zelda game or something uh-huh. that's like a Sam and Max, uh, like a Lucas arts scum adventure game and it's just it's super charming and the entire time it's narrated by this really angry french french ai um it's it like you know it's not going to it it is a it's a shorter game because it's a single player quest um but you gotta play it it's great i really really love this yeah i'm looking at the uh at the footage here and uh this is gonna be if i had my switch nearby i do the classic move where i pull up the eShop. And buy it um, while I'm hosting. Don't watch more about it. It really is about figuring out, like, you'll get stuck and go, like, what do I do? And then you go, like, oh, my God, like, I can use (laughs) this thing to do that with it. And it's the puzzles are logical. Yeah, there you go. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really, really, really cool. I'm going to try to do my best, Casey, and run back the games that we were talking about. Uh, Fez, Spirits of Xanadu, Monster Hunter Rise, Mario 3D World, and Bowser's Fury. Uh, there's no game wrong to mention Pokemon Snap, Stitchy and Tukey Trouble and Picross Season yes, 6. I know people like really like it when Casey repeats what we were just talking about and I'm bad at it so I apologize but yeah, <laughs> I'm just here temporarily. So we have very little time but we're going to do one quick question block. This one is from Preston Chase Sharp and the question is thoughts on 3DS games apparently keeling over within 10 to 15 year period and this is in reference to apparently some uh pokemon omega red uh, or wait which omega ruby and alpha sapphire uh carts from the pal region have just been just stop stop working so thoughts on that matt you look you look really concerned i mean i hope not i i like my 3ds a lot and i like my 3ds games uh i think oh that sucks actually i don't i hope not It's yeah, people, well, people well, licked licked the cartridges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, that is mainly seems to be limited to Germany, and okay. interestingly enough, it seems to be connected to maybe a system update or something like that. Because oh, interesting. For somebody, it happened to uh, they played it on a 3DS that was not up to date, and it actually ended up working. So, I mean, there's a lot of different factors potentially at play, but I think that. The thing to remember is that it seems to be very localized in terms of where it's actually going wrong. As for uh, whether or not flash memory is going to degrade or something like that, I mean, yes, probably. I thought Nintendo Life actually had a pretty good explainer on everything that was happening in that regard. But I think that the TLDR of all of this is maybe don't panic entirely. Your 3DS games are probably going to keep working for a while. I I, th- I think that's a safe bet, but w- what you brought up is really important. We we sometimes think about you know digital games being a little bit more uh, uh, prone to disappearing. You know, like let's say you you subscribe to Stadia and you buy a game, and maybe Google discontinues that service, and so your game is gone. But the reality is like everything is transient. 
Like they're, you know, I have laser discs Very that I thought yeah. would last me forever. Oh, yeah. And I put in like, if I put in my original <laughs> Star Wars trilogy, it's got little white specks now because uh, there's such a thing as laser rot. Yeah. Can you believe it? And, you know, you have a cartridge game and you thought your safe, your safe game from the Super NES days was safe. And it isn't. It's not a safe game at all because, you know, EPROMs run out of battery power and all of yep. that. And so... um yeah, nothing is forever. Um, but I think the good news is that we're seeing a lot more game preservation now with games being re-released as part of things like virtual console and all yeah. that. And so, you know, for the few cases that games do actually fail, um, because you know, you know, yeah. something time. something goes wrong with physical media all the time. I um, will you might say be able to still though, keep it somewhere. Uh the the problem with digital games like the ultra hand game that was uh, a club rewards member uh, mm-hmm. or club nintendo club reward was that you because that was only digital you can't get that when the servers are done whereas if you like it's questionable legality but you can just dump the rom of your carts or you could just rip you know your copy i'm not saying this i'm not advocating <laughs> for it I'm just I'm like, what's going on now? Thing. No crime. But you- well, <laughs> I mean, earlier this year, Scott Pilgrim was basically inaccessible to everybody. Uh, right. Unless they had already purchased it on a PS3 or a 360. I was actually trying to play it because I was in the mood to play it right before yeah. it got announced for the Nintendo Switch. And then finally, yay, it's back. We can play it again. That's great. But yeah. before it came out on all the different platforms, uh, it was literally impossible yeah. unless you went, jumped through a lot of hoops to play Scott Pilgrim. So that was a, a total yeah. bummer. And meanwhile, Nintendo, I'm glaring at you. You're having these timed ex- these timed releases on digital stores. Very yeah. infuriating for it's yeah. giving me major FOMO. So stop that, Nintendo. <laughs> I think li- I think licenses in general are the enemy of preservation, right? Like, yeah, Mike Mike Tyson was the cool ba- cool cool guy back then, and for a minute, you know, Nint- Nintendo is drops. not interested in renewing that license, yeah, obviously. No, no, no. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you 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 get a digital version of Punch Up, but it'll it'll be uh, it won't be the US one right also please capcom bring back the bionic commando uh remake that you did for the xbox 360 arcade because i wanted to play that and i don't want to hook up my xbox 360 to play it so you know that's right capcom and don't work with the yakuza (laughs) don't work with the yakuza unless you know they bring back bionic commando but (laughs) that is all the time we have left this week's nbc i want to thank matt i want to thank pear i want to thank cat for being on the show this was so much fun. I love when I get to talk about Nintendo. Head to our audio podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms like Spotify to submit your own questions. Write to us at nvc at ign.com or respond to our weekly question block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat Pack podcast forums on Facebook, which is the only reason I use Facebook, by the way. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing. Get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.